Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Pals Pulls. We've got Marco. What's up? And Tyler. Uh, hello. Hi. And I'm Sean. We are here to talk about, well, four plus one of the biggest book releases this week. Uh, we are into the second week of January, which means that things are still sort of heating up in the comics industry. Uh, say hello if you are watching us live. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. So first of all, I will not be able to show you guys, as I normally do, the covers for the books that I got. Um, I, Tell us more. I unfortunately somehow injured myself, my back, on Monday night. So I was not able to leave my house, and therefore I did not get the books this week. Comixology subscription came in clutch. And this website's such a. Ugh. You got you got you got the discount though. Discount. Yeah, you got it from CU, right? Yeah, but who cares? I don't have the books. <laughs> I, I I need them physically. I need them. Will Midtown wasn't going to give you that discount. Dude, I get ten dollars off after I spend a hundred and twenty. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It is um, will you be buying those again? Yes, absolutely. All right, stimulating the comic book industry. Love to see it, Sean. Let's go. Yeah. I'm 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 nothing if not uh, a giver. Uh, yes, Matt. I am now a glasses wearer. It's uh, it's a weird weird state to be in, but. It is what it is. Yes, Matt. Take that sick day. You deserve it. <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's get into uh, – well, before we get into the books, I do want to let you guys know how you can find and support us all over the internet. Of course, we are the Comics Pals. The best way to support us is over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecomicspals, a link to which is in the description of anything that we do. This week, we actually uh, are sharing with our patrons uh, a prototype for a new show that we're going to be putting out. Um, I don't really want to give details here. Um, it's really in its incubation stages, but we did uh, film something that patrons can see, and we are asking for your help, actually, to determine uh, the future of this project that we're talking about. Uh, we want it to be as good as possible, and we feel like the listeners who are the most passionate and supportive of what we do are the people who understand you know, what makes this work. Um, and so we're turning to them for a little bit of help with this. So if you're on our Patreon or if you would like to be, um, you know, we're, we're calling on you now for a little bit of help with that. Um, and of course, there's always cool stuff over there. Otherwise, Palling Around is our exclusive show, uh, a, a, sep a separate show, a different show um, where we talk about whatever we want. That's not comics related. Um, Got to film one of those real soon. And uh, our newsletter is also on there. So for as little as $3 a month, you get access to, to some pretty cool content and you help us out. Win-win. Uh, YouTube and uh, Twitch at the Comics Pals every Thursday for this show at 6 p.m. Eastern. Saturdays at 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. Uh, Book Club, House and Powers of X, still hot off the presses. Go give that a listen. I think that was a great conversation between us and uh, appreciate the positive words that we've gotten on that so far. Um, and if you haven't, you should go listen to our year-end uh, review and predictions. Um, our award show, The Pallies, go give that a give that a watch or a, 
or listen if you haven't somehow. Let's jump into the books. We've got four books technically and one that uh, I tacked on at the last minute because I forgot a promise. Uh, we've got Lazarus Planet Alpha. Uh, we've got One Minute War. Or, well, Flash 790. I mean, it might as well be One Minute War. Uh, the Human Target, 10. And Black Cloak, number one. The listener pick by a country mile. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. That's what happens uh, when, the, uh, when the, the writer of the book retweets it. Yeah, Kelly Thompson saw. Kelly Thompson. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Kelly Thompson retweeted, and Kelly Thompson's fans came out, and they supported. So Black Cloak won, and we'll have our thoughts about that a little bit later on. Let's kick things off with Lazarus Planet Alpha. So um, this is, you know, again, the alpha for the upcoming Lazarus Planet event. Uh, You wouldn't know that this was the alpha. If you just go off what's in the book, because uh, there's clearly a lot of missing information. If you haven't been reading Batman vs. Robin, um, Mark Wade wrote the actual main story here with art by Ricardo Federici. Uh, they were joined by Brad Anderson on colors, the incomparable Brad Anderson, Steve Wands on letters. Um, and then there was also a uh, a backup story, I guess, tie-in story, uh, Monkey Prince um, story by Gene Luen Yang with art by Billy Tan, uh, Sebastian Chang on colors, and Janice Chang on letters. So let's start with the, the Lazarus Planet Alpha story proper. Um, this is very involved. First of all, I loved it. I thought it was great. It's a lot of fun. But if you don't know what's been happening, which I didn't finish Batman versus Robin, but obviously through this podcast, I'm aware that there's a magic event coming that involves Lazarus, blah, 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 blah. If you don't know anything, this is a, a weird one. I read Batman versus Robin, and I was still a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> and it was still a weird one. Yeah. There you go. Because yeah, there, there are bits here, like with, with Supergirl, like her power is not really working. Um, Swamp Thing and Poison Ivy showing up out of nowhere. None of that was in Batman versus Robin. Um, and I don't know if the like the these like uh what, what's what's the main villain of this book's called? It's not even Neza. It's it's something. It's like a monkey oh, prince villain. Flame Flame Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Fire Bull. Yeah. Who like showed up at the last page of yeah. Batman versus Robin? Um. Like, he wasn't even really integral to that. It was like Neza was like, oh, I'm scared of this guy. Oh, no, he's here. Which right. I guess is a Monkey Prince character that's showing up. Yes. So, yeah, I didn't didn't love it. Didn't love uh, how it was kind of all over the place. Um, but when you got, you know, uh, uh, Federici on art, it's hard to hate it. You know what I mean? Very um, good. I think uh, the art really, really uh, carried this for me throughout most of it. Saved it for me. Made it readable. Wow. uh, I was was super confused. And uh, this was one of those, like, build-up. Not even build-up. There was just a lot of context missing. And whenever I I get that and I just see a bunch of capes, I get a little frustrated because I feel like I'm, I'm out of the loop. 
probably am. Um, and that frustrates me as a reader because I'm like, okay, well now I'm, I feel like I, I've have to know what's going on and who these people are and all this stuff. So, um, with context, you can kind of, kind of get what's going on, but the, the stakes here were so confusing and what these characters wanted and what the villain wants and how it all ties together. It just felt very unclear for me. From a from a from like the expectation of what an alpha comic should be, you know, like the idea that this is the way in, uh, and the way that the zero issue in years prior used to be for readers, like, oh, start here. Um, this is the worst alpha I've ever read. <laughs> the, the worst alpha. This, I've ever the read. middle. This was Batman versus Robin Omega, is what it was. <laughs> it was not whatever right. this is. Yeah. Uh I did not actually love the art, which I I thought you might not. Yeah, I mean there are some faces. It like the the one page where there's some kind of explosion, and you're getting the reaction shots of Supergirl and you know all these different characters. What is happening with their open mouths? Like they're so weird looking. Oh oh, I know it. The the splash page. Yeah yeah. Oh my goodness. And just Supergirl was mistreated in this book from a like her face. Like I don't know what was going on. Damien looked weird. His like the only the only way I could describe it is that his lips were like supple. They were just like extreme like I don't understand what was going on with that. Some pause worthy shit right now, Sean. <laughs> I'm not saying that in a positive way that it did anything for me. I'm supple just supple teenage lips. Why Damien? <laughs> wow, Tyler. <laughs> I wonder what the clip is going to be. Um, yeah. So I the art I just couldn't I couldn't really get with it. I think the backgrounds do look pretty cool. Um, this like it's a lot of like green mist and stuff like that. But when they're in the the the, the mountains and stuff, I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, but the art overall didn't do it for me. Now Mark Wade script. This is comics. This is good big two comics. He just gets it. It rolls. Everybody's got something to say. It's interesting, but not Bendis snappy. It's snappy in the sense that it it connects and it, it all feels good. But it doesn't feel like he's trying so hard to make these characters come across as cool. It feels effortless. This feels like what you want when you're looking at an event and all these characters have to talk. It's good dialogue. Yeah, everyone mm-hmm. kind of gets a moment here. Like even Blue Devil gets a moment. Like yeah, who who would do that? You know what I mean? Like, um, and and it doesn't. The moments aren't in the background having banter with another character. Like they get to do stuff in this, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, go on, on, on that art piece, this reminded me of. Uh, I think a similar critique to Eternals, Asad Ribic has a very similar like face structure that doesn't always come off too great. I think the backgrounds are the character designs are are, are amazing. Um, for me, the 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 inks and the shadows, he's using a lot of like etching to to fill that in, and that to me is just it, it's just really pretty. It reminds me of like a um, Gabriel Walta who did um, Vision. Vision. Like uh, a lot of that, and I think that's a really cool technique to add depth. But when it came to the faces, the monsters looked 
rad. Like yeah. the, the designs were awesome. But yeah, to your point, the face structure was the only thing for me that was just a little off. Um, I, I also really love the mix of characters who are relevant here. Like a lot of these characters I haven't seen in a long time. Um, you know, Power Girl being one of them. I never see Power Girl. I don't know where she appears, but it's not in any of the books that I've been purchasing. So welcome to see her. Supergirl, that's pretty cool. Monkey Prince had my favorite moment in the whole book when he's speaking to that little girl who was being manipulated and used somehow, a uh, context for which we just don't have. Um, that Larry. moment where he's talking to her and he's just being so real and honest. Um, that was that was a great character moment. And now I care about the monkey prince, whereas I was actively annoyed that I was seeing this character before. Interesting. Okay. He uh kind of neutral. I I don't like one way or the other, I don't feel like because they, they he didn't get to do too much. There's actually a moment where Robin's just like, I don't know what to do with you. Like just stay here in the background. Um and I think probably in like a subsequent issue, if we get to see him do something cool, um, I think that character interaction is is sweet. But I wanted, I'm curious about his power set and like stuff that he does. Well, he had the whole backup, so <laughs> yeah, they're definitely they're Which, definitely like uh, putting him on on a. He's getting a push, as you know, the the wrestling marks would say. Um, I actually wasn't sure if I liked that whole Black Alice scene. Um, no. Because Black Alice is like I know Black Alice from like Simone, Gail Simone's like Secret Six, um, like Black Alice is in a lot of the 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 Mystic era area of of DC, and like she's kind of a badass. So like it did feel like he was talking to a little girl, you know. Um, was he not? No, she's like a college age person, you know. Like, and she's kind of like she's like a real like emo like Daria type too, you know. So oh. Seeing her in this was like a little out of character, in my opinion. But um, well, again, we don't know how badly she was tortured. You know, we like I I don't I don't know what book it is that that took place in, but it seems in, like she was messed up. That was in Batman versus Robin. Oh, okay. So there you go. All right. She was like siphoning magic people and shoving them into the Doctor Fate's helmet, which then kind mm. of like exploited all the magic, and that's where we are. Mm. That's messed up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like swamp things here. You got you got your poison ivy. Skull. Like, there's so many different characters that are here. I don't like magic stuff for the most part in Big Two. I don't think it really ever looks that cool. No. Nah. Um. It's very ill defined, and uh, I just think it's just a it's just a way to like get whatever you want. Um. And I feel mm. like this story feels like that. With the wonkiness of the powers and stuff, like uh, Supergirl's now not empowered by the sun. She's actually weakened by it. Uh, you know, through earlier um, solicits, we learned that Gotham is going to become sentient. Uh, like, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Maybe I misinterpreted I don't, I don't that. You. but I don't, I don't I, you. Yeah. Like, there's so many weird things that are going to happen. That's like, okay, but at the end of this, Every single one of these things is going back to normal, except the one or two spinoff concepts that they want to sell us. I could take it or leave it. But as an issue, I thought this was really solid. As an issue, it carried me along, um, mostly for the art. 
but I think it's going to need a bit more if I if it wants to get me sold. If it wants to sell me on this, I think it needs to do a bit more of well, just explaining. This was to your point earlier a bad alpha. Tell me what the stakes are going to be. Don't just give me a bad uh, like a big bad at the end because that's not as interesting to me. Yeah. So I'm looking at it, and you know, this is classic comics when you see a uh, a checklist at the end. Um, I didn't know this was happening, but Batman versus Robin Five is happening. I thought the event finished oh. with four. Oh, so all right. Confusing. <laughs> so an Two event happening and overlapping what is the... weird. And, and and Dark Crisis just finished. So yeah, yeah. Like a, you talk about event overload. I'm not. I'm not crying about it i would never make that claim but for all the people who feel that way being a dc fan right now must suck for you and there are five one shots um great and one four issue bi-weekly mini Oof. it's a lot of comics a lot of lazarus planet and then all of a sudden in march it ties in with wonder woman okay <laughs> Trying to suffocate us, damn! It's all back to back to back. Weird. I mean, weird in the sense that it is—it feels like oh, this is this is 2006 comics. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like the fact that there's no book called, from what I can tell, there's no book called Lazarus Planet. One, two, three, four. Like it's all these different books with different creative teams showing different sides of this event. I don't need that. You know, I, I thought I was like, OK, cool. I'm ready for issue two. Mark Wade, let's go. What is all this? There's also that intermediary page with the map that had the different titles and how they tie into locations, which that scared me because I'm like, uh oh, now do I is this obligatory? Do I need to know this stuff for what's going on in the larger what's going to be going on in the larger story? Yeah, because there were was this one, two, three, four, five, yes, yeah, six other books potentially, and I don't know what their relation to this is now. I I would say pull on this issue, but I cannot speak on the future because it's all it's the wild west in terms of different creative teams and who knows the quality. But this particular issue I did think was was quite good. I enjoyed it a lot. Rob V is going to be writing one of the. One of the Italians too. I'm sure that'll be great. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I say pull for the art. For me. I can't... I don't know how to say either way, honestly. Because I don't really know what this is. Um, Please don't I, say trade weight. <laughs> no, I don't even know how the trade's going to work. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. That's, um, I would say... I'd say pass, honestly. No tank. I don't know. I respect it. Yeah. Which is you know what? To say for a Mark Wade book because I'm a Mark Wade Mark. So. Mm, I'm, mm, no, that R was pretty tight. Never mind. The Swamp Thing tips it over to pull for you, Mark. Oh, that's right, Swamp Thing. Yes. No skipping roll. Just gets his he arm had, chopped off. He had like two. Li- he said like n- n- no, and then he he said <laughs> something about the green. Yeah, that that tracks. That's a buy for me. There you go. Well, uh, we don't know what the heck is going on in Lazarus Planet, but we know exactly what is going on in Flash 790. Uh, This is the one-minute war. We've been talking about this for months now on the show. 
um, off and on how excited we are for this event or for this, you know, story in the flash book, uh, Jeremy Adams, my pick for breakout creator of 2023 is the writer here with pencils by Roger Cruz inks by, uh, Matt Benning and Wellington Diaz colors by Luis Guerrero letters by Rob Lay. Um, so I don't think any of us have been reading the flash, right? No, just the ones that we've read for the show. Yeah. We, we read one that was like wrestling focused a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it was. And then this is the only the second issue I'm reading of Jeremy Adams flash. The concept here is of course the one minute war where there is a race of beings outside of Earth who have access to the Speed Force, but they use it for their weaponry. They use it for their like version of cars. They control it. They use it. And they are conquerors. They go and they raise planets, um, and they do it before the planet can even have a reaction. Well, the one place you can't do that is Earth because the Flash family exists and they will resist you. And that is what this story is about. That's pretty much the long and short of it. Um, what did you guys think of this first issue of One Minute War? I liked it. Uh, I had fun with it. Uh, I, I don't, and, and it's weird because I didn't know a lot of these characters, but I think that uh, I think enough gets done here to introduce their personalities the concept is already strong and then the fact that the villains and the the villains are finally up for that challenge that seems interesting to me and the art at first i wasn't as big a fan but we got to that page with this with who i don't know who this guy was but he had the purple like mask. He looked like a like a Zorro knockoff looking dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, whoever he was, we got to that page. I'm like, wait a minute. This looks like this looks like 2000s DC. The stuff that that uh, Kale turned me onto with a JSA, and that turned it around for me. And from that page on, I'm like, I love the art and the story. I was already enjoying. So this was a great book for me. This was a lot of fun. Um, so these guys can slow down time, right? The Speed Force? Yeah. Well, um, they can use it the way the Flash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they use it effectively because they use it on the book itself, too, because uh, this was a slow, a very slow book. <laughs> um, this was the cold opening in a full issue. Um, I thought it was fine. Um this this i mean this this does feel like classic dc this feels like a good classic wally west book um and it's cool seeing you know the entirety of the flash family in it you know uh johnny quick i think was in it uh, uh, uh jesse quick the quick people were in it barry's in it you know the both people. the kids like everyone is in it they're all here it's like that when the new smash game came out and everyone was like oh everyone's here um but um it just like it was a lot of setting things up and I'm not really sure why you needed a full issue for it. Um, like for me, the stakes were there immediately. Once we see what happens with, uh, with Wally, 
Um, and then we have to, like, check in extensively with everyone else. Like, both Kid Flashes, they get, like, five, like three pages or something like that. I don't know. I thought it was just a little, it dragged on a little too much for my taste. I kind of like that. Because we already knew that this, what the stakes were going to be. And so the setup and the buildup feels like good serialized storytelling. And I, I liked how it was paced out, how we get time to know our players in action. You know, we, we get to see them do things. We get to see the context in which I assume they will then be fighting this one second war. I, I'll, I know who's involved. I know how they work and how that's ultimately going to affect the story. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, I agree with you both in, in the sense that I think this probably could have started with um, a lot less, you know, of the the filler stuff, the family stuff and all that, which it's not fair to call it filler. It is, you know, that is a part of the flash. The flash story is the family. So that's not filler. But when it's juxtaposed with, you know, this crazy concept, like we want to dig in as soon as possible. Um, I think the stakes were set fairly decently. Um, you know, we know that this is going to be catastrophic. Like, this is going to be nuts. Um I really like the moment where uh, um, Iris, right? She proposes. Yeah. Um, that was that that what I thought was going to happen was that Iris would propose, and then um, Barry would like be about to answer, and then the war would start, and she would stay frozen there that entire time yeah, until same. the war was over. That would that would have been really cool. I I, I, would, I thought that would have been a really good gimmick. He'd been like battered and beat up and like come back in a like bloodied costume. The actual war part isn't really here. Uh, there's no real fighting that goes on too much. It's more just like, wow, there's a crazy explosion and you know they're deploying all this artillery and you know and that's that. And we know that the flashes have to have to stop this um i love that it's something that only flash can deal with pretty much um i think that's really cool and uh clearly now based on the way this issue ends he's got uh, an axe to grind with these uh with these people so good setup i like it she's not dead right i doubt it okay i did like how uh time stops for everybody because they've entered the fray now and and that's a very it's a cool way to distinguish from everybody else um and you just set the scene across the world at that point which is cool because the flash is going to be able to travel across the world to stop all this so yeah the the build up the setup i thought was solid so this only applies to people with the speed force right so like superman would technically still be frozen right okay would he? But I thought him and him and Flash race all the time, and aren't they like evenly matched or something? But so, Superman can't go into the Speed Force, right? Um, like it. I always, I always like to think that those races are the Flash holding himself back. Like he's he's running a race, not traveling through space and time. Like he could just appear where he needs to be, but for the sake of you know, having fun with Superman, he's just running along. Okay. Um. 
so yeah, anyone who doesn't have speed force is locked out of this conflict. I think that's a really, really cool setup. Um, the only problem I had with it though is it kind of doesn't add up. If everything else is slow, that means that the building explosion would be slow. That means that the re- no one would really have any reaction to what was happening to them because they're slow. I'm not sure the explosion would even happen. Yeah, it wouldn't the happen. Actual elements that cause the explosion would be frozen too. Right. That's, we, that's I'm not going to use science to try and explain <laughs> a flash comic. Yeah. So that's probably that's how he got his powers though science so i don't know yeah um that that really i don't know that really freaked me out but this was this was a solid issue i say pull i'm excited for the future of this and not just because i really want those two points at the end of the year <laughs> um yeah this is a this is a, a pull absolutely i mean even if it's a good book he's still get the points you know um, you know, doing, no, doing no. A, flat, a singular flash book event is not that's not breaking out. No, it's heating no, up. It's not. It's, it's heating up. up. But. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Man- Manny says unless the explosion is at super speed, but then would like Iris would what at what speed would her body move when she gets hit by it? You know, like what are the mechanics of all that? So from her point of view, is it just like you glitch and then your body's dead? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's so bad. Yeah, I don't like. <laughs> it's hard to like. What then? The rubble wouldn't fall either, right? Um, it, it it's one of those things where like I really wish I hadn't had that thought, but now that I have, it impacts how I feel about the story. I don't know what I was thinking about when I read the initial premise. I didn't consider all that. But that's what they say when you're a writer. They say don't let don't let the science of things get in the way of a good story. So I think we just have we're supposed to let that go. Suspend like your disbelief. The, my relatives yeah. on Facebook too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's Alex Jones's motto. <laughs> Question. Oh man. Um, all right. Let's talk about everybody's favorite. Uh, according to the Pally's book of the year. The Human Target. Uh, we are on Chapter 10. This is uh, Tom King on the writing. Greg Smallwood on the art. Clayton Cowles does, does the letters. Uh, ben Abernathy. Oh, he's the editor. But, you know, we, of course, we don't shout those people out yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what editor pissed in your Cheerios this morning? Jeez. I No, I love editors. It's just that the industry hasn't yet moved to the point where, like, you, if you don't credit the editor, you suck as a journalist. You know how, like, we're there now with colorists and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, we're not there yet with the editor. One day that'll happen. And I think Heather Antos will be the one to make it happen. And that's not a criticism. I love Heather Antos, and there's nothing wrong with that. Human target. <laughs> Human target. Um, so this issue features Tyler's favorite character. Gnort. Love it. Gnort uh, is essentially, in the way I viewed him in this book too, is like DC's John Candy. Like that's what I was. That's, what I was oh, that's so good throughout the entirety of this. Yeah. Um, I loved this issue. <laughs> so I actually was strangely the I guess the last two shows I wasn't on were Human Target issues, or maybe we didn't do eight. No, 
Yeah, we didn't do one of them because one of them was okay. me and you, Tyler, that we didn't. Gotcha. Okay, because I had to catch up to three issues on this. Um, it's fun read. Fun read reading them like back to back because each of them has their own little feeling to it. Um, and I thought this one was a lot of fun. This uh, it it brings in one of my favorite parts of DC, and that's Oa and and the Green Lantern Corps. Um, but it brings it through this bumbling oaf perspective that is Gnort, which is saying something when, when Guy Gardner's in the book as well, you know, like that, you know, these, some Green Lanterns should maybe not have that ring. And I like that, that bit of it. Um, I like how, uh, what is this guy's name again? Ch- chance? Something chance? Christopher, Christopher chance? chance? Christopher yeah. Chance, yeah. I like how he just totally takes advantage of Gnort. Just so good. It's he just so plays good. him like a fiddle in this, and I had a lot of fun with it. But but it's funny because he doesn't even like it's not even in a malicious way. He's just like asking him questions, and he's yeah. just like, "Oh, why don't we do this thing?" And we're just like, oh, "Yeah, I mean, I, I shouldn't be telling you this, but you know, what yeah. are they gonna do?" He's he's just like a very casual over communicator, and I love I love when people do that because you let so much slip and you learn so much, and then all you really do is have a casual conversation with them and. It, it, this character was perfect, absolutely perfect. I've never read him before in a comic, and I loved him. And he's fuzzy. I'm not. I'm not sure I've laughed at a comic as much as I laughed at this one in a while, at least. Um, this was really funny. Um, Gnort okay. opened up a lot of like funny moments, and Tom King just. He just found every opportunity for funny, but it wasn't overdone. But everything he tried, as far as like jokes or funny bits, just landed. Agreed. It. 100%. And you guys this... had no previous exposure to Gnor, right? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why the hell does this guy have a Green Lantern ring? Yo, yeah, say it. And then he gets fucked up at the end. Like he gets all drunk and shit. And he's like, what did. Who... Who is filtering these people out? Do do the rings not select like a worthy person? Like who I forget who, his origin. Yeah, I forget his origin. But I like how they, they bring that up in this. Um because he brings it multiple times, like, yeah, I don't know why I still have this. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I've I don't know why you have it. <laughs> I've gotten in trouble so many times for dumb shit. Uh and like his whole thing is he just sits in a cabin drinking beer. Like ah, sh- Gnort's like, uh, like uh, who I would aspire to be in DC Comics. Wow. Maybe not aspire to be, but like Gnort's like <laughs> probably where I would end up, if that makes more sense. <laughs> he's he's lovable. Yeah, what a goofball. Um, really fun character. I don't – I'd probably be annoyed by him in another writer's hands, but I think Tom King just hit it out of the park with uh with this guy um but at the core of this issue is a is like it's funny and stuff but it's pretty like heartfelt i found um i really got sad for uh for uh christopher chance uh when he's looking at the file that they have on him and it's just his job it's yeah just, and his job is dying so all he's been doing all his life is dying or watching people die losing people losing himself um and what's it all for and, and I think I think it's also showing him like like in the last couple issues. I think since the hiatus of the book, the book's been about him wanting to live. You know, his whole job is like I die for other people, 
um, I'm not going to die for other people anymore. I'm going to fight to live this time. And this is him kind of coming to terms with that. And I like how it's it's also turning a bit, you know, with ice to the point where it's like, oh, this is expected. So I'm expecting another turn somewhere. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this book. I think that plays out really well because we've, we've been suspicious of ice, like, since they started their little fling. And because we know ultimately, or I feel like ultimately she's not the big bad, it's cool that she's been so close because, you know, you keep your your friends close and you keep your enemies closer and they're both doing that. Christopher Chance and Ice are both playing the strategic game with that. And when when the at the start which where he drops that sleeping pill, um I'm like, oh okay. Like confirmed he has a suspicion that he's gonna go verify. And then lo and behold, guy still alive, uh I just thought was phenomenal. And then ties in the beginning to the end with the cheers to us. Oh, very good. Yeah, this is quality storytelling all the way around. Um, Greg Smallwood being, you know, of course, no small part of that. Um, just such an incredibly talented creator. Um, like, I love how in the parts where they're on Oa, everything is so green. Um like green is just everywhere. Um, even the the pictures he's looking at are just all green. Um, you know, green is green is will, and he, Christopher Chance has to have the will to see this through and not just die. He has to find a way out of this. To uh, to that color piece, if you if you look at it from the start all the way through, once we get back out of Oa. You can actually see the gradient of colors page over page kind of change to this brownish when they're in the hotel. Uh, then we get to North's place where in the forest, a lot of the, his background is this yellowish green, uh, mostly, mostly yellow coming in from the brown. And then we finally get to the part where he's about to enter the door and the, the green turns into this like more foresty. And then finally we're in O and we get the the proper green for green lanterns and that continues through even when they come back uh back to earth i thought that was really good from smallwood's part to just make that flow all the way through yeah just so much so much quality work in this um i love it so much i really 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 do i can't wait to see how this resolves it's it's an easy pull obvious pull uh it's phenomenal uh hard pull yep hard pull oh. hard pull i also move oh boy i also like how Ganort's uh <laughs> only using his ring to make you know a rubber hose style cartoony hand that gets his beer for him like it's relatable <laughs> that's what i would do god damn i am Ganort. fuck all right i gotta, <laughs> I gotta fix that <laughs> So uh, let's move on to the li- one of two, I guess you could say, listener picks this week, because we are going to talk about Spawn Unwanted Violence uh, towards the end, or at least I will talk about it. Um, but Black Cloak, number one, uh, this book won the listener pick by a landslide. Uh, the fans of the creative team, the people who are excited about this book, they came out and they voted um, and it won. 
Um, so this is by Kelly Thompson with art and colors by Meredith McLaren and letters by Becca Carey. Uh, editor, Charles Beecham. Um, Look at you. You're, 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 you're the one starting it, Sean. There you go. Yes, I will lead the charge. There we go. Uh, it's an image book. So I want to say uh, thank you also to Image for providing us review copies as they do. We really appreciate that. And this was one that uh, I was able to read that way. Um, thank you for saving me from uh, the <laughs> horrors of comicsology. Um, and uh, this was also very long. This was a very long first issue. This was like three issues in one, basically. But I think if you can get past the length, this was a really smart decision. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that there's really any point here where you could have cut this off and said, okay, this is issue one. And had it feel right, I think we got a lot out of this issue, which really sets the table. And now you can go into issue two, which I'm assuming will be a standard-sized issue, and tell stories in bite-sized chunks um, without having to worry about a good point of stopping with so much story that needed to be told in this first one. I don't, okay. even think it, I don't even think it's story that needed to be told. This is a whole world. Um, yeah. So the 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 length of it really helps you world build. Um, and it's this weird future fantasy world. Um, honestly, I was kind of getting saga vibes from it. Um, a little. Even the art too. Um, like like the way the faces were drawn and, and the designs of some of the characters felt a little saga. And that, I don't mean that in a derivative sense. I mean that in like, I was enjoying it since um, I really like this. Um, I am a big Kelly Thompson fan. That was um, probably one of the creators I talked about most on my, on my previous show that, you know, that I did um, it's lost to the, to the interweb webs, but uh, I, yeah, I'm a big fan. And it being this weird sci-fi fantasy noir book was not what I expected. I had no expectations going into this. I was like, up, oh, it's Kelly Thompson. That's enough for me to want to read it. That's that gives me the ticket in. Um, but by the end of it, I'm like, oh, this is a lot of the things I like, and I enjoyed it. Um, it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And um, on the art side, I had moments where I was digging it. And then others where I felt it, not and not to use this disparagingly, but like there are moments where it felt like a webtoon, where some of the art wasn't as polished as it could be. A lot of the the figures become almost like caricatures and less like actual body forms. And I think in some in some of these instances it works. But there are moments where, you know, we're we're looking at our cast and some don't have like a full face or uh, some of the backgrounds are just super bland because something's going on. And we know we're in a setting where we could have environment, but we don't. And it didn't take me out of the book because uh, I I read Webtoons, so I'm not like, um, uh, I'm not looking at it from from oh, that. Oh, end. We like, know quality. you read Webtoons, Marco. We we. <laughs> OK. And uh but I think the the paneling was simple. It, it was direct. It got you through to the next scene, through the next moment. It displayed the information that you needed. Uh, it communicated well, even if it wasn't stylistically something that I was necessarily looking for. It's interesting because, you know, you make that saga comparison. And I think from an art standpoint, this had to be 
distinct. Um, it had to go a different way as to avoid those comparisons. And so I like the fact that, um, you know, we do have a different style from Meredith. I, I did enjoy that. The way this book starts, though, is all about taking whatever your expectations are of a book of this nature and chucking them like the literal first page. Uh, and this is one of the best first pages I've seen just because of how it does w- what it sets out to do. It starts with dialogue that is extremely um, fantasy esque. You know, it's got, it's got the, the hallmarks of, you know, a big epic story. Victory was snatched from the jaws of defeat. The great evil was vanquished. Like all these sorts of words and ideas that you would expect in a fantasy setting. And as you go down, the lower you go, the more it leans into the kind of dialogue that real humans speak. It, it gets away from the re- from the regality and it gets into the gutter. You know, um, without that enemy, it's a fucking mess and assholes are all too plentiful. That's not where I expected that page to end from where it started. And I thought that was clever and it got me into it. Well, I, I thought it was interesting that the story technically starts on the cover because the body gets thrown in and then the first right. opening is us descending down into the, the that watering hole and then the body getting spit back up. So I thought that was a cool way from the get-go to just throw you into the world uh, and like set your expectation. That's Yeah, that's a really good point. It, it, and I like how it just it, it also feels like it, just a, a very traditional detective, pers- like a, not procedural. I'm thinking more true detective. I'm thinking more Twin Peaks style. Uh, yeah, Twin Peaks. Um, I mean, dead dead woman washing up on the shore. You know, like it's very Twin Peaksy. Um, yep. uh, so, like it, I, again, stuff I like. Um, and in, in in terms of the art, Marco, uh, the the Meredith McLaren art with the Becca Carey colors, um, I think I like that it's very stylized. Um, it, it, it seems where typically when I see, you know, blank backgrounds or stuff, it feels like, oh, that just seems unfinished. Um, yeah. in this, it seemed very purposeful. Um, I think if there's a lot of like, um, you know, panels where it's just a close up of a character's face and the background is just white, it's pure blank white, no paneling either, like no borders on the panels. It kind of bleeds into the gutters. Um, and it feels purposeful. It's like, all right, focus on this. Pay attention to this. Don't look. It almost breaks away the rest of the stuff that's on the page. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, it felt very modern in a way. Uh, you know, we just read Flash and we just read, you know, um, you know, Human Target, which is purposefully harkening back to other things. But Flash felt like a very art-wise, very dated book, for better or for worse. Um, this felt very modern. Um, almost like a lot of um, video game art that I see. Um, I was getting kind of vibes from that uh, in this. Um, yeah, I, I really like this. <laughs> yeah, this was a cool book. Um, I think most fantasy books that we see, fantasy stories we see, feel the same. I think crossing this with another genre was smart. Um, mixing it in with that like detective noir stuff not looking like that but not really looking all the way like traditional fantasy either it's a very odd blend 
from story and art. And I think that's why it works is because it's not traditionally either one of those things. It's a mix of old and new and different styles. A lot of fun. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Like I would say like five years ago, there was way too many sci-fi fantasy image. It was like every other book was a new sci-fi fantasy book. Um, since then it's kind of died down. It's been a lot of horror. It's been a lot of crime. Uh, it's like, all right, maybe this was the right time for this book as well. Hmm. Um, it's a good right. point. Which felt right. Yeah. Yeah. This is good stuff. Uh, I will definitely say pull. I can't wait to actually look at this in person. Yeah. Pull. So it was uh, easy. Pull for me too. Uh, one thing I wanted to note too, and I thought that was very, uh, very well done on Kelly Thompson's part is uh, with sci-fi fantasy books, when you're building the world, um, I feel like a lot of people tend to get a little high on their own supply and start making up words, making up all these different things. Like sure. it is straightforward too. What I, which is what I enjoyed about it as well. So, oh, um, uh, Human Target was my pick of the week. If if not for that, this would have been it. But Human Target is just it is what it is. I'm gonna give it to this just because Human Target is consistent. You know what I mean? Like this was a surprise in a way. Fair. Yeah. Um, I think human target. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with it. So, yeah, but definitely go out and get this. I think you know supporting new number ones is awesome, and uh, you're gonna get a lot of bang for your buck with this one. This is a this is a quality comic book, especially supporting one as good as this. Like for a start, yeah. So I am gonna now talk about Spawn Unwanted Violence. Uh, I was asked to include this in the show this week, but I forgot. So uh, last minute, I decided to read it so that I could at least share my thoughts about this for those that asked. Um, so Spawn Unwanted Violence is by uh, Todd McFarlane on the script, uh, Mike Del Mundo. On art, colors also, and Marco D'Alfonso on the colors as well, with letters by Tom Orza. Excuse me, Tom Orzachowski and and World Design. Um, first of all, I think whenever Todd does a collab with an artist, it's really the artist showcase. Um, that is the idea. I think artists are attracted to Spawn for the same reasons that artists are attracted to Batman. There's a lot you can do with that visage, um, and it looks really cool. Mike Del Mundo brings a a very, very unique style um, to the Spawn character, and I really appreciated it. Spawn, I feel like, can be depicted in so many different ways, and they can work. Really, like, any style, whatever you want to try. Um, this is different. It's got some like kind of almost like I guess like dull muted colors to it, um, which is that makes sense to me for for uh, for Mike. Um, it's a really disgusting book. Like the freak is in this. Um, that's a classic Spawn character, and he's gross. Um, a lot of gross themes. Um, children getting kidnapped to be used by this you know awful monstrous dude um and uh spawn in this one is actually kind of annoying <laughs> um there's a point at which freak wants to stop a pedo and spawn stops freak from doing that spawn is li spawn literally says like he isn't this is not verbatim but 
he's like, there's other things we need to go do. Like you can do this later. Um, while while the dude was in the middle of of you know doing some awful things, Spawn intervenes and stops Freak. And then because the guy annoyed Spawn, Spawn kills the guy. <laughs> so you literally could have just let Freak do what he was gonna do, but Spawn intervened for some odd reason. Um, Mike Del Mundo feasts on this book. Yeah. Did he do the cover? I think so. Yeah. yeah um, that looks hot. He, he, he's having so much fun. The cape is all over the place, as you can imagine. The chains are awesome. Like, there's just so many cool visuals to it. And you know what? The script is not good, but it ain't that bad. Um, mostly because it stays out of the way. There's your your typical typos, as you would expect. That's what Todd McFarlane does. Um, and yeah, some of the dialogue is very odd. But for the most part, this is a quality comic book. And I think Todd, as, as an artist first, I think in this particular comic, he knew to stay out of the way. Ooh. He knew why people would be buying this, and he stayed out of the way. This was This was actually really good. I enjoyed it a lot. This art looks cool. Yeah, almost like, almost like uh, like caricatures, like cartoony. Mm. Dude, uh, I'm a big Del Mundo fan. Um, before you j- jumped on the Zoom call, Marco, I mentioned uh, his uh, Electra run with uh, W. Hayden Blackman, it's like a Marvel Now book. Really mm. under, under uh, appreciated book. But like, if you like Del Mundo's art, it's it's real good stuff. This looks like he does. He works in a medium that's not digital, because it feels like the pages are textured. There's a little grain and dirtiness to it, hmm. but then I you know, have layers digital. on. Yeah, I believe it's still digital. Is it? If so, that's wild. This looks cool. Yeah, this was a great looking comic and a, honestly an enjoyable experience. Um, I'm going to definitely follow this like for sure. At least the next one. If the next one has any news reporters in it or anything like that, I'll be out, out 100%. But this one, uh, it managed to avoid that. So, yeah, I think that's how I judge the spawn books these days. Are there news reporters or not? So mainline is just out of the question. Yeah. Has to be as long as there, as long as Todd can, continues to do that. Can't read it anymore. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's it for the oh uh, pull. Yeah, I, I pull. I mean, if you like Spawn, you already know that you do. Uh, I think if you don't, but you like Mike Del Mundo's art, you still buy this. One hundred percent. There's not enough Todd McFarlandism in here to make this not a purchase. If you are a fan of Mike Del Mundo. Um. So yeah, reviews are done, but the show's not over because we still want to let you guys know what we're looking forward to next week in our final segment we like to call Pals Pulls. Tyler, take it away. Can't hear you, bud. That's because I'm muted. Um, Next week, uh, Sean wanted to check out a little thing called Immortal X-Men number 10. Right. So, uh, obviously, we've been reviewing every issue of Immortal X-Men thus far, I think, and... um, my feelings on it are mixed. They started off extremely positive and they've waned 
pretty much since about the halfway mark of uh, where we're at so far. Um, that being said, first of all, I adore this cover. Professor Xavier with the cracked Cerebro um, with the flames all around him. It just looks amazing. So I can't wait to find out what the hell is going to happen in this book that that this uh, cover reflects. But also, I can't help but keep hoping that Immortal X-Men will get back to its former glory. So I buy every issue in anticipation of that. And I'm hoping this year or this week uh, will be the time that uh, things get better. Uh, and you also wanted to check out Batman One Bad Day Bane number one. A lot of bees in that one. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I love the One Bad Day books so far. Um, I I don't think they're living up to that premise, but they're good. Um, this one is, uh, who's the creative team on this one? Joshua Williamson, yep. right. Uh, Joshua Williamson's fantastic. I love Joshua Williamson. Uh, Howard Porter will be joining him for this one. And Bane is a character who's had his time in the spotlight recently as the primary antagonist of the Tom King, uh, run. But in general, I haven't read enough Bane. So I want to see what they have in store for the character. What's your opinion on Howard Porter, Sean? Howard Porter, I, I hear that name and I associate it with The Flash. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He works on Williamson's Flash. Yes. So I love Howard Porter. Okay. But that that run visually was fantastic. Yeah, I'm a big Howard Porter guy. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah. then my picks for next week. Uh, I wanted to check out Batman Superman World's Finest number 11. So I finally caught up to this. And the cliffhanger at the end of 10 made me literally go, oh, shit. Like, I was like, wow. Um, So the whole idea of this being set in this, in the past, um, I just thought was just a gimmick. It seems to have been a storytelling point as well. um, Oh. Of how it's setting things up. Uh, It's weird. And also, I think in the background of the cover, it looks like the Batman Who Laughs is in this somehow. Yeah. Um. Can, can can you elaborate what you mean by like like as a device? What do you mean? Um, is it spoilery, I, I guess. It is it is spoilery. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, okay. Just read the damn book. It's Dan Warren, Mark Wade. Like that should be enough. Don't tell That's me what to read. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you read on the spare in your spare time. We talked about. Huh? That. Uh, and I also want to check out Nightwing number one hundo. Yes. Uh, just because it's, uh, I like a nice anniversary issue. It's a really good cover, and I've been really liking Nightwing. And this will be a, give, give me a reason to catch up because I'm behind significantly. So. Yeah, oh. catch up. I've been catching up every time we talk about a book on the show, and I have not read the previous issues. I read all the previous issues to get caught up. How many issues behind are you on Nightwing? I'll tell you in a second. Uh, <laughs> Want to fill some time? I can tell you. I would yeah. say probably four, five or six. Oh, so all right. Okay. That's not bad. Okay. No, not bad. I'm, I'm like I'm like in September. I think I am for most books right now. All right. Besides yeah. some, it's good, dude. For for some books, I'm last week. For others, I'm whenever they started. Yeah, <laughs> guys, uh, I've seen Sean's reading pile. It is organized, strangely. There's there's a method to the madness. There is. Yeah. 
There always is. And, and it's wild because I saw it. I'm like, hmm, no, I know, Sean. This can't just be a mess. No. Like, <laughs> <It's very laughs> so I was like, so I'm, I'm like, Sean, so what's uh, what's going on here? How does this work? He's like, I just broke it down. I'm like, yep. All right. That, that tracks. Yeah. And Marco, you wanted to check out Wasp number one. Oh, Tom Riley? You kidding me? As uh, on the cover, not, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, fine. But uh, I did like these little minis that seemingly have been put out. Uh, the thing was absolutely a blast um, with, was it Walter Mosley and uh, Tom, Tom Riley. Riley on art? Yeah. Jordy Bill on colors. So this one is going to be with Kazia Ney, who I've not heard of. But uh, since reading um, uh, uh, Ultimates, the... Um, Oh, not wait, was it Ultimates? No. What did I read? The Wasp was in Ultimates, yeah. Ultimatum? No. No, well, you I mean, read Ultimates Wasp, three. The Wasp was Ultimate in Ultimatum, three. Sean. But but I, I read I read the the first one and, and that like turned me onto the character. I, I had a blast. I thought it was very well developed. And so I guess I'm a fan of uh Janet Van Dyne. Some You're degree. a fan of Ultimate Wasp, huh? Yeah. Keep reading. Um Trust me, I did. Oh no. Oh keep going. Past? Go. Pass ultimates. Go to ultimatum. Oh, okay. We should say that for a book club, honestly. No, we should not. <laughs> I don't want to do that. It is... Just tag me. Just tag me in it. Tag me in it. Oh, we're not doing that in a segment anymore. No, no, you ruined it. Um, but you wanted to pick up uh, Joe Kelly and Ken Nomura's Immortal Sergeant number one. Yeah. So Ken Nomura looks cool on art. I've not read anything that they've put out. I've only seen some of the stylings, and it's an anime sort of manga uh very minimal it looks kind of like um brandon graham where the colors are kind of flat but they can be almost like pop art and that interested me a lot joe kelly i've read some deadpool stuff here and there and so i'm i'm excited to to read this book the from an art perspective the title the cover caught me and seeing the the creators by name alone who i've not individually experienced beyond some things here and there i'll, I'll try it out cool yeah and uh those are our books thank you guys so much for listening uh if you want to take part in the listener pick poll you can find that on twitter every saturday is when it starts and ends on wednesday around noon so make sure to get your votes in uh, early if you can so that it gives us an idea of what we might be reading uh, so we can cheat a little bit this week was super easy because you know we knew we would be reading Black Cloak um, so yeah head on over to uh, our Twitter which is of course at the Comics Pals and vote every Saturday or you know anytime until Wednesday for that uh, watch this show live at 6pm Eastern every Thursday 10-15am Eastern for the main show Uh of course, that's on uh, Twitch and YouTube. The the DC film show. <laughs> I want to turn. Yeah, yeah. we it's need not... a spinoff show for that. Yeah, do we? Yeah, X, do X Men we? News, DC Weekly, X Men Monday. Oh, I mean, if they want to hire us, hey, right? I'll sell out. I'll sell out for Warner Brothers. Oh, please, oh. Yeah. dude. But that, but then they'd cancel the show and then like remove it from the internet. <laughs> Did I get paid? Yeah. No, no, they're gonna write it off. The, you, I mean, get I won't get paid residuals, but you know. Yeah. yeah. You get paid what you got paid in the moment, and yeah. nothing more. 
so yeah, uh, patreon.com slash the comics pals for as little as three dollars a month. You can uh, support your boys, get access to some pretty cool content. Uh, you get to influence the book club picks. You get our exclusive show paddling around. You get our newsletters. Lots of fun stuff happening over there. Join our Discord server where a lot of fun stuff is also happening. The links to everything I'm talking about are in the description of this video. And uh, that's it for us. Thank you guys for listening. For those of you who will be with us live, we'll see you Saturday. Otherwise, take care, guys. See you next week.